Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'll take you for a ride on the devil ship. I'll take you for a ride where you sink or swim. Now come with me and let this story begin. Viva, you're back. Yes. All right, let's do this. Uh, okay, I'm going to put this here. That's good. Feel comfy? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I, it's it, I, it's only hearing the voice in real time that makes it... It makes it weird? It, it makes it real and weird. <laughs> well, you know the thing is, um, because I don't want to forget, you came here for a reason. I really got to get into Bill C-10 because a lot of people are asking me questions. They think that we're conspiracy theorists. They go, uh, I saw a video from Trudeau, and he said... Uh, Bill C-10 is not going to affect our YouTubers, our online platforms, our regular citizens. But then on the very next video, you know, that's when they'll kind of let the cat out of the bag a bit. It's Stephen Gilbo admitted it. It's not... It's not oh, no, this guy's a buffoon, though. It's not... It, it, at some point, they say the quiet parts out loud. It. This is the other thing. The misinformation or the confusing information coming out of the administration is seems almost by design because it lets everybody... On both sides say, but I heard him say that, which supports my theory. Yeah. Bottom line, uh, it's going to govern. If it doesn't govern individual content creators specifically, it's going to get them th- with the net of going after YouTube as a platform itself. So they say, they say, yeah, we don't want to go after individual content creators. But they'll go to YouTube and say, for example, hey, Viva, what's going on with that channel? They're- well, they'll, they'll, go to, they'll go to YouTube. One of the theories, and this is sort of put forward by another Canadian YouTuber, JJ McCullough. I like that guy, by yeah, the way. He's great. He's yeah. great. And, and for anyone who complains that I don't cover enough Canadian stuff, he's only Canadian stuff. So if you want more Canadian, go listen to JJ. I do like 10 to 20% Canadian just because I like the American stuff as well. I like him because I've, I've learned about history of flags because of him, just different regions, all kinds of stuff. I like him. It's, it's great. It's in-depth. Uh, it's well-edited. And, yeah. it's, and it's weekly, so you don't have to worry about being inundated by daily stuff like with me. But, or me. Um, you no, know, that's it. You know, weekly is easier to prepare for. But uh, you know, his, one of his theories is that they go after the platform. They're just going to retool the platform. YouTube, in order to be compliant with the Broadcasting Act and make sure that whatever content they they uh, give a platform to in Canada is compliant, meets the Canadian threshold requirements, they'll just retool the entire platform, promote certain channels, demote others. Sure, it'll be on the basis of what Trudeau's trying to say is promoting Canadian content. But didn't Trudeau say there is no Canadian identity at one point? He said, this is the other uh, madness, lunacy part of this. He said there is no core Canadian identity. And while at the same time says, this is at its core, not a conspiracy theory. It's a money grab. It's for the federal government to say, we're, people want to produce in Canada, we're going to want to tax them. So yeah. this is what you have to do. You know, you have to have a certain amount of Canadian actors, et cetera, et cetera. But from reports that I've seen, some content has been determined to be Canadian, even if it's questionably not sufficiently Canadian, whereas other stuff has been uh, deemed to be not Canadian, even though it's entirely Canadian. So it, it is a question of where... I suspect the federal government says we can get some money out of this by treating it as Canadian, pay the taxes, pay whatever, and we'll, it'll pass. But when they go to Trudeau saying it's not going to go after individual content creators, 
okay, maybe that's true, maybe that's not true. But if they go after the platform, it comes to the same thing. But they also, that guy, what's his name, Gilbo? S- Stephen Gilbo, who's the mini- uh, the Minister of Canadian Heritage. Yeah. In no uncertain terms, he says it's not. We're not going to go after your Facebook posts or people you know who post here and there. Only popular people. Only, po- only if you're big enough. If you have millions of followers. If you act like a broadcaster, is what he said. Uh, you know, if you, I, I didn't specify anything further than there. But if you act like a broadcaster and you have millions of followers, it's just a question of making sure you pay your fair share. But that's the thing. He didn't specify because I thought it was going to be well. Is it number of followers, views? He didn't specify. He just said if you're big and maybe millions. I just I got a notification from YouTube. I just passed like a million views on the channel. So am I considered a broadcaster? Uh, it, can he can he block me? I, what about you? I, I'm on. A, I'm nearing a hundred million views. Can he? YouTube. Oh, then you for sure. But it's. It, and the, it's we don't know what they mean, but the mm. whole point of these nebulous, uh, vague, ambiguous rules is that they can apply uh, by opportunity and not by uh, methodology. I there are some people who genuinely believe this regulation, this amendment, these new criteria are intended to nail the rebel media. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, True North can't think of the other. What's one right True? Now. I've only heard of Rebel Media. True North is sort of like the, you know, a cousin of Rebel Media. Uh, I, I wouldn't rate on reliability. I know what I've seen. Post Millennial would be another one, but uh, as they're young guys, the Post Millennial. I, I just know the news outlet. I know, you know, they have a Rebel. Sometimes I see them push it. Like sometimes they'll overdo it, and I'm like, okay, this is on purpose. They're just doing the same thing that the left is doing. They they over. Uh, Ezra yeah. Levant has no problem admitting that he is an activist journalist. Yeah, yeah. He's an activist journalist in a, in an area where there is no activist journalism. So, yeah, he's got. He's trying to prove a point. He goes over the top sometimes in trying to prove that point, but he's the only one uh, on that I, side on the, re- reporting on certain things that you just don't see elsewhere. Yeah. So, but yes, he does push the envelope. I think it's part of the design, and it's how to, you know, it's how to get eyeballs to see the story. Good point. Um, and it's it's part of the part of the game. But there are some who feel that this particular regulation specifically is intended only to target the political opposition uh, on social media and on other platforms. And so, yeah, if you're big enough and you have enough influence and you act like a broadcaster, it sounds like they are describing in veiled terms a target, and that being rebel media and the like, True North and other. You know, other um, creators who have become popular on YouTube and have escaped the CRTC's application to radio and television. But Stephen Gibble comes out and says, we're going to go after not the small people, only the big, big, you know, the big followings if you act like a broadcaster for whatever that means. What does that mean? You're a broadcaster in that broad term. Well, and, and the question is, do I even have to be concerned? What could be more Canadian than a you know, Montreal-born Canadian Quebecer with his dog, with his dog making content out of his car. You know, it can't get more Canadian than that. But maybe they're going to say, "Well, you cover too much American politics, so we've got to regulate your content and make sure that you know, Viva Fry, you do at least fifty-one percent Canadian material." Uh, I, I don't even know how it would play out. Or they yeah. say, or they go to YouTube and say, "This this channel is not sufficiently Canadian. Demote them. Don't don't." Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Don't promote them. Yeah, yeah. Or as JJ McCullough hypothesized. Maybe YouTube comes in and says, you have to subscribe to this, this, and this channel. I undoubtedly think it's intended to favor the CBCs and the CTVs and the legacy media that's already receiving federal aid, but not succeeding, notwithstanding that federal aid. They want to they even the playing field where the, the media online playing field is now um, a meritocracy and not a government-subsidized government sort of, I can't think of a financial-tocracy, but they want to level this because... 
the CBC, despite receiving funding, despite receiving all the, the government aid it can possibly get in order to help it survive, it's, it's still, still garbage. It's still garbage. It's still losing out. We received nothing, by the way, and we're thriving. We received nothing. I mean, I think we received the censorship baton of, of the social media platforms. We received nothing. More views. I mean, I, I, I make a joke that when I do the weekly live streams with Robert Barnes, we have more people watching than MSNBC gets yep. views on some of their videos. And then the, the other issue is some of, the, some of the attention that the CBCs get is not good attention. People go and they downvote and they, they leave negative comments if ever CBC allows for comments on their videos. So, yeah, they get ratioed hard. Yeah. Oh, they, they get ratioed up the wazoo and they disable comments, which I think no, no entity receiving federal aid should be allowed to shut off comments uh, on, on platform. I'm that's with my, you on that, though. my personal belief. It's not yeah. a law. It belongs to us. It, yeah. I, I paid for it. Now they're going to tell me something and then shut my ability off to respond. And some of them even don't show the thumbs up, thumbs down because they get ratio so bad. But, um, it, it, no, this is intended, you know, I say to prop up further the CBC and the state-sponsored media uh, and to penalize those who have succeeded on the quality of their messaging uh, despite not receiving the federal funding and despite the fact that they are disadvantaged from the get-go. And so that, I mean, that, that really is all that this is. Now, they come out and say it's to protect Canadian culture. How does it protect Canadian culture, which, again, Trudeau said doesn't exist? And I disagree with him. I believe we, there, there is a Canadian culture. I feel there's a Canadian culture. There's a Quebec culture. There's differences. So I don't know what the hell he was talking about. But it's funny how when he decides that we're garbage in Canada, he says that we're just garbage. And then when he decides, no, 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 it, it's more in my benefit to side with Canadians. Now I'm protecting their culture that I said doesn't exist. It is, it is a smokescreen. It is a pretext for the government to try to seize more power and to try to seize effectively more tax dollars as if, incidentally, as if the rebel media is and as if us as content creators don't pay taxes on what we make and as if we don't spend that money that we make here and then pay more taxes on it. It's the pretext is- I'm taxed on everything. Yeah, you, you, you're taxed on income. Taxed on spending, taxed on real estate, taxed on death. Tax, I mean, the, the taxes up the wazoo. You're taxed on business. If you have employees, it, it's everywhere. I'm but, taxed. I, even without the employees, I'm taxed. Even all the money that comes in, whether it's YouTube or whatever, they're, we're always paying taxes here. I'm paying so, so many taxes. When we, when we tell the Americans what we pay in terms of taxes, they're flabbergasted. The flip side is they have to pay a lot more for private health care premiums and, yeah. and insurance. So it, it evens out somewhere along the lines, but it is cloaked in benevolence as is most tyranny to use an inflammatory word it's cloak it in benevolence cloak it in your protection cloak it in we're doing this for you for us when in reality it is a money grab it's a power grab it is political censorship disguised and it will get there because there's no question it's going to get there um and, uh, and and yeah, the convenience of denying a Canadian heritage when you want to placate certain groups and then appealing to the same Canadian heritage that you just denied when you want to find a reason to tax and expand, expand federal power. But um, I, I, there is a Canadian identity. I'm Goddamn right I, there is. No, yeah. there's, there's no question about it. I have it. I feel it. And I, and I think it's a terrible thing that any leader of the country should deny the heritage to that country and pretend that we're just... I don't even know what. To, what yeah, what does he think I mean, we're doing? Like, like toast. We have. We're just. We're. We're. We're plain bread. That's been. You know, it, it is. A, it was a terrible thing to say at the time. Convenient thing to say at the time. But now to say we're protecting it, and we're protecting it by suppressing the voice of those Canadians that make up the Canadian heritage and that make up the Canadian identity. You don't have to see past the tip of your nose to know what's going on, and it's not a conspiracy theory because Stephen Gilbo admitted it. It. At first, because people don't really appreciate this, there was a specific inclusion. Oh, let me rephrase. There was an exclusion included in the draft, which was to specify 
that this amendment is not going to apply to individual content creators. In the quiet of the night, in the midst of a pandemic, that inclusion of the exclusion was removed. And then probably the only journalist that I've seen in mainstream media that's worth his salt, maybe a, a, a three or four, I forget his name, I think it was on the National Post, um, was interviewing Stephen Gobo. And he says, I saw that, yeah. He says, like, if the inclusion was irrelevant, why did you include it? And if you included something that was irrelevant, why do you need to remove something that's irrelevant? Yeah. And then you get into... I love how he panicked. I typically would go after body language, but I, watching Gilbo enough, I'm not sure that he might have a clinical... I'm not saying this... Oh, like a speech impediment? He might have a stutter that oh, maybe. comes out when he's nervous. So I, I don't put too okay. much weight on that. Okay, but maybe, the, yeah. And the flailing of the arms, I don't put too much on that either because I've been known to do it as well. And I speak with my hands too, so but maybe, yeah. The, the it was a nonsensical answer. <laughs> and, and just trying to like, look, how dare you not believe what I'm telling you? We yeah. don't want to go after you know, your, your tweets, your posts, unless you're big enough. And then we want to, but it's only for money unless it's not. And, you know, it, it, unless it's, you know, potentially to suppress political opposition, potentially like people don't know this, the CBC sued the conservative party in the last federal election. And for footage, for using footage or, from CBC, how is that possible? It's, it's public for, footage, right? It, we paid for it. Well, so arguably public footage, but let's even say, because the argument is CBC is federally funded. It's newsworthy items. It is their own news content that the Conservative Party of Canada used a fair amount of, called fair dealing, fair use, in a political campaign. They, CBC, who is so strapped for cash they need a billion dollars in federal funding, finds money in their pocketbook to institute a frivolous copyright claim on our taxpayer dollars to sue the political opposition to the government that's funding them to the tune of a billion a year. So let that first aspect of this sink in. The second aspect is it was copyright, alleged copyright infringement. And because the copyright claim was so bad, they threw in an argument that it would affect the reputation. The manner in which the Conservative Party used their content could affect the CBC's reputation. And it was four tweets that they used, which are, I, I think, tweets are arguably public domain, not copyrighted, and some material that they put into a one-minute promotional video. CBC, so strapped for cash, finds a way to go in with an injunction, which is among the most costly type of legal proceedings, and they lose. But <laughs> it's just kind all, of funny. All, all this to say, you know, it, it is... But they wasted our money. They wasted our money. They wasted time. They wasted the court's money. A day at court, it probably has gone up since the last time a judge told me this. A day at court in administrative costs is $10,000. So your judge, your clerks, your rent, you know, your, your office, yeah, yeah. Your, whatever. The cost and waste is uh, outrageous. And the CBC does this in the midst of an election season. And this is the media that now we're, we're to believe... Uh, on the one hand, needs our support because they're strapped for cash. And on the other hand, we're going to trust the government, which feeds this media that sues the opposition, that they're never going to use this provision in any disguised political way. It, you, you would have to be very young and naive to actually believe that. You know what's weird is that they're not doing well. And you'd think maybe someone would be like, hey, guys, maybe nobody likes our content. We should rework our strategy. And instead of doing that, they're just bitching that we don't like what they're offering. They're, they're, instead of reworking their content to arguably potentially be more transparent, they demonize the people who don't like their content and say, it's like Skinner out of The Simpsons. I'm not out of touch. It's the kids that are out of touch. Yeah. This is state-sponsored media that produces what is obviously a political spin, call it government propaganda, on everything. On everything. And then the, 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 the things that they are unable to get out of it, Bury it. Bury the story. Bury it in Google, and it will never come up when you search for it. The, the prime example, 
you know, people say, well, the CBC reported on the potentially toxic face masks. I think we talked about this the last time. The schools. That the, got schools. Them. the schools. Yeah. So the government, François Legault, which says, we'll never make masks mandatory in, in the province, a few months later makes them mandatory. After that, compels daycare teachers to use specific masks you know, because it's because you have no choice now and you can't use your own masks because if you do, you can get fired. And then four months later, we find out that they may be potentially toxic because they contain graphene. How well, are you not allowed to sue? So, well, there's there's reasons why you may not be allowed to sue because can't get, I mean, I, I have to look into that first because- Because of the force, I'm saying, when they say you have to use this mask and then you find out later, well, this mask that I forced well, you to use could kill you. They're going to say we didn't know and it's, you know, the, the government does the best it can and whatever, and it's tough to sue the government because <sighs> you have to prove, you know, you have to prove- Malice, I guess. Malice. Um, but I want to check out the criteria before I would venture into it. But bottom line, you know, this happens. And instead of being front page scandalous news, it's, I don't know how you measure pages on the interwebs, but it's like a, it's a, you know, way down the results on CBC. They, they, they reported on it, but then, you know, put other stuff front page like uh, mass protests, uh, cause, cause delay in the rollout of the vaccine, you know, nonsense That's like weird. that. But this is what you get when you have a state-sponsored media is, is it basically do, doesn't want to bite the hand that feeds them. And when people call them out on it by ratioing them in terms of thumbs down, by trolling on, on, on social media, then they need protection from their own poor products, their, their crappy products, and they need to demonize the people that, that make fun of them. And they need to silence the people that make fun of them by any number of things that they already do. Turning off comments, disabling the, the, the views of thumbs up to thumbs down, hate speech, targeting harassment on, on social media if you make fun of reporters. When hashtag learn to code was trending, they yeah. deemed that to be a, a threat on journalists. Which is it, insane. It, it's insane, but it's, it's, it's literally what, what happens when big tech and the media works in tandem with the government, is that this is how it works. Instead of having to answer for the poor quality of their product, they demonize the, those who criticize them, and then they go back to the government and say, we need more money because we're not making enough money because nobody's watching us. You know, one time on Twitter, uh, Erdogan, the, the dictator of Turkey, yep. he was talking about uh, killing Greeks, like drowning them. So I tweeted to him that uh, like this guy's an embarrassment, he should be ashamed of himself. And I got suspended for a while for uh, harassment. I it, made him feel unsafe. It was Gadsad, Montreal Concordia professor, just happened the other day, uh, especially in light of what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, I don't know who the actress was, a Pakistani actress. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Valik Malik or some shit. Yeah, I saw that. I, I, I don't even know. I don't. To me, it doesn't matter who it is. I don't like putting people on blast, even if they, yeah. if they might deserve it. But Pakistani actress tweeted something out. It is a, it is a, a fake quote attributed to Hitler. Yeah. And I won't even say you can go find it, but it's... You know, I know what it is. I read it. Uh, it's not nice. It's not nice. Yeah. It's not nice. It, it, it lends uh, to the idea that, uh, that Hitler was justified in doing what he was doing and that the reason why he didn't fully succeed was to remind the world. Uh, yeah, he, he, he said uh, the reason why I left some Jews around is so you could see why I did some yeah, shit it's, like that. It's, it's, it's atro I mean, it's atrocious. I don't, yeah. it, doesn't, it's, it doesn't matter who's at the object of this type of hatred. It's atrocious. It could have been anybody. It's just aggressive yeah. and hateful. And yeah. so Gad Sad goes on Facebook to post this and says, this is what I have to deal with on a daily basis. And he gets suspended from Facebook. I saw that, yeah. And it's, it is, on the one hand, victimizing the victimizer again. But on the other hand, when we're talking about, uh, you know, what, what is arguably big tech... Uh, approving of the message. I mean, they're punishing the person who calls it out and by tolerating the message itself, 
I would say implicitly endorse the message, if not explicitly endorse the message. Have you seen the Asian people that are getting beat up now just for being Asian? Uh, it's I, it's like one of them going on, online, being like, "This guy just attacked me because I'm Asian," and then they suspend him. They're like, "Look, man, don't don't rat out the attacker." The, it's the, almost like it's crazy. The, the, what's going on in the world? The media does this as a, as a system. It's it's divide and conquer. They mm. make groups turn on each other, and then they write about the stories, which actually exacerbates the problems in the same way. Reporting on mass shootings causes copycat effects. Yeah, they're doing it. They know what they're doing. They blow some out of proportion. They harp on some, so it's day in and day out. So it it turns groups on each other, and it makes for good rage bait reporting, which is how they make their money at this point in time. Because and not, we fall for it. I, I I've t- I've tuned it out. I say I've tuned it out, except to the extent that I continually criticize it. So I guess I guess maybe I'm contributing to their own. Uh, popularity. I don't think I am, but I, they have to get called out on it, and then you have to shut them out because it, they are, you know, we use the expression "enemy of the people," uh, and it's been it's been demonized as a Trump expression. When you see how the media works, and when you see what the media is about, and when you see what they do in order to make money, they're they are not the friends of the people. So. They're not. I've been reading books about, like I told you, the last one that I've got now was Mataibi's uh, Hate Inc. And there's so much stuff. I'm like, God damn, how did I not? It was. Right in front of me, and I never really noticed. I, I, growing up, I remember my parents always said, you know, like, the media has to hype up these tragedies. They have to create crisis. They have to create conflict, and that's how they make the money. I thought that was conspiracy theories. I, I, I just thought it was my dad being a cranky old dad. Yeah, that's, what, that's how I saw it. Yeah. And, and now I've become my cranky old dad. I mean, he's not cranky, and you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, I'm somewhat humored to this, but once you see it, you don't unsee it because it's your, I say it's like the matrix of sorts. It's been there the entire time. You just didn't fully appreciate what you were looking at. You thought it was news. You thought it was the biggest story on earth. You didn't appreciate. It's an exception. It, it Otherwise, but for the fact that this is how they need to make their money, it would they would be focusing on other things. But other things do not cl- generate rage bait, clickbait stuff. And, you know, like we've seen with the CNN uh, undercover exposés by Project Veritas, they know what gets people clicking. And they so, know what gets people watching, and it's it's the constant negative, politicized spin, and just create tragedy and exploit tragedy. What happened there exactly? Because they removed from Twitter James O'Keefe, so I didn't get to see everything at full. But I remember he basically uh, honeypotted, catfished a producer from CNN. Right? There was a, a very very attractive woman that he found online, but she was I, I, a plant. I did not see it. And then they I, went on a date. They, well, I didn't see the 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 honeypot side, but yeah, he, he you know someone gets someone on Tinder. Literally, that's how they got it. They go on a date and get the guy talking. She now, was wearing a wire. She was wearing a wire. But this is under, this is like what journalism, undercover journalism used to be back in the day. I remember growing Hot up. Hot chicks with wires, baby. Well, anybody you know, with wires going with a camera and a briefcase. The There's a flip side to that. You know, like sometimes people who want to impress people will say more than is actually true just to try to impress their date. But like the thing is, with James, okay, so that's what happened. They get this undercover. He's a tech guy at CNN saying... You know, this is what we do. We we tried it. We were angry that numbers weren't higher for COVID deaths because you know that we wanted it to be higher. We wanted this dramatic clickbait stuff. We wanted to spin it as badly as possible. We knew that. I didn't need. Yeah, I didn't need Veritas to expose if that. It, if it uh, bleeds, it leads, right? If it bleeds, yeah. it leads. And it, it, this guy incidentally says, you know, it's a, it's an unspoken thing. Now, if it bleeds, it leads has been spoken for a long time, but we never knew the full extent of of CNN's absolute partisan corruption, which is if it if you can't spin it. If you can, and if you can't, go to another story. Like, that's this is our crazy. focus. And when you think that that's the news that's in airports, that's all of it, you cannot but come to the conclusion that if they're not the enemy of the people, they're certainly the enemy of actual information, and they just try to make as much money of it, off of it as possible. Um, but so, you know, bringing this back to the, yeah. c- the CBC side is, 
and this Bill C-10 and everything that's going on here is you have the government basically buying off the media. And it's not much different than what you have in the States, but you have the government buying off the media so that they, you know, they give advanced warning on negative articles so government can come on and do damage control. Uh, spin the bad stuff as, as, as good as possible. It, you know, bury the bad stuff as much as possible if you have to report on it. And then at the same time, you know, when people complain, demonize those who complain. Go try to get them censored online. Go try to protect yourself from criticism. And this Bill C-10 is now the next step in it where they're going to make it so costly and so difficult for independent creators to, to voice what I consider to be more truth than what the mainstream media is voicing that you, know, you, you end up suppressing that which is succeeding on its own merits. So are we going to have to be pirate radio guys in the future? We're going to see. Well, this is the other thing. I just hit my chin on the mic. Sorry. We're going to see what happens. <laughs> it's, um, we'll see what happens because it, if this bill passes and then we'll see how it, how it is imposed in reality. And then, you know, everyone's going to say, well, okay, it's only this and it's only that person and it's not coming to me yet. When it, what's going to end up happening is it's going to be the same type of brain drain, economic drain that all other stifling policy creates. It's people are going to leave. They're going to go, you know, not, they're not going to become like Christian Slater and pump up the volume hanging in their basements. They'll just leave and they'll produce the same content from somewhere else where they're not governed by this nonsense. And then what do they have to do? The government's just going to have to increase the, the, the control over the internet in Canada. And so crazy. effectively, it's what's crazy. And when people talk about conspiracy theories, you have Justin Trudeau, literally, he's been telling us this over the years, you know, admiration for China, how they govern yeah. things. And effectively turning the internet, or not, he hasn't done it yet, but what seems to be trying to turn the internet in Canada into the internet of China, where you're limited on what you can see, what you can Google, and and the content you have access to. But under the guise of protection, the, protecting the Canadian identity, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's the same rationale used in every totalitarian regime. If there's a, like a reenactment, you know, those shows, I could see Trudeau hanging out with like the Chinese ambassador, and uh, Trudeau's like, I'm just upset, man. They're talking so much shit about me online. And then Bachelor's like, well, you could just block that, you know, right? Like, we control the internet. And, and, and just Trudeau's like, you can do that? Yeah. <laughs> block it. Or, or, you know what? Create laws that are so, I think the word is nebulous or opaque uh, in, in their application that anything can be deemed to be hate speech. Anything can be deemed to be, to be targeted harassment. So if you go out, you know, if you criticize Legault or you criticize Trudeau for his corruption, oh, Criticize for corruption, that's inciting people to be angry. Therefore, we're going to deem that to be violating terms of service. That's crazy. It, it's, and that's what they do, though. Well, they, you know, they a, did it to me two weeks ago. To some, to some extent, you know, it, it, it has to be. I appealed and I won. Well, that, right. well that's, that's if you decide to appeal. There's a threshold. It's a pretty high threshold for now. Um, but it's, it's not far off from where it's going. It's just basically impose these rules that are so uh, willy-nilly that they can apply out of political convenience and not out of any system. And... It's where we're headed. But what's going to happen? Put it. You're going to impose Bill C... What, sorry, which one is it? C-10. C-10. Yeah. To protect Canadian culture and heritage, to protect the Canadian economy, and what you're going to do as a result is hurt it. Because well, because the, they're saying it's to protect, well, they it's said to protect a, their image. That's all it is. True. But even, even their, by their stated purposes, to protect the economy, to protect Canadian culture and heritage, yada, 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 what's going to happen? Canadian content creators are either going to get shut down or they're going to leave. What's going to happen? streaming services, if they can't comply with this, are just not going to stream to Canada. Yeah. You're going to protect your Canadian culture. Canadian culture is not going to have any access to the outside world because you've made it impossible for Netflix to stream in Canada without it being prohibitively expensive or non-economical. They'll just shut it down. It's, it's exactly like what um, Facebook did, sorry, in Australia, when they come in with a law that would have 
um, required people to pay a, a, basically a news link, if you click on a link, from a, a Facebook page. And Facebook basically says, well, this is going to cost us too much money. We're shutting off Facebook in Australia. Oh, and so they were charging, what happened there? They were charging they, Facebook? Well, what, I think the, the idea of the legislation was going to be treating uh, links in social media posts as news links, whereas if you click through them, you're going to have to pay a certain amount uh, to the, as, as though it were a news link that you're clicking on. I'm not sure about the 100% Who, who of would have to make the payment? I think Facebook would have ultimately had to make the payment because that sense. It, would, well, it would have been basically like treating Facebook as though it were... Uh, um, you know, giving the links to news outlets, whereas if they don't get their, if they don't get the remuneration they get for those clicks, depending on where it comes from, uh, it would be like giving it away for free. And so they were going to go after Facebook for this, from what I understand. And Facebook said, well, look, this is going to cost us too much money. We're just going to block all of Facebook in Australia. You won't be able to post any links to certain news outlets on your social media page because that's going to cost us whatever fraction of a penny or whatever. Oh, that's what happened. Away. So they say, yeah, we're not, and then, you know, they buckled. But, okay, that's good. So you want to impose the CRTC standards on Netflix? Forget you, Canada. You're a, a market of 36 million. We're going to go focus on the states of 350 million. We're or India, go, 1 or billion. India or, or, or China. I don't, know what, I don't know what the deal is there, but forget it. Cost too much money to do business in Canada. In, enjoy your CBC broadcasting. Ugh, it's disgusting. So, but, and, you know, it's, all, it's always the protection that ends up hurting and they said, but I was trying to protect you, so forgive us. We had good intentions, but now we're living in, an, in, a, in, a sti- in a stifled, crippled economy with minimal access to the internet, and the government is watching everything you do online. And I notice people, I have these conversations because they ask me, like, why are you so involved? Because tr- I'm trying my best to lean away from politics because I just, I just like to be funny. I just like to tell jokes. However, it's so in my face, and they're trying to fuck with me now with Bill C-10, but it's so in my face, I can't ignore it all the time. And most people seem to think that the government always knows best, which shocks me because the government is there to serve. There are employees and anyone could get into it. There's no reason why you should think that they're better than you. They're, they're just people. Anybody who reflexively trusts the government uh, does not know history, period. Mm. And they don't know of... It's systemic. And to pretend now that for some, for some cosmic reason, the government of today is more trustworthy and more benevolent than they have ever been in the history of government... I'm, I'm, I'm being polite when I say you have to be naive, but you have to not have any understanding of history. The government is to be approached with skepticism yeah. and, to be, and to be limited in as much as possible because they have always done bad things. They have always hid... I mean, I, I don't want to list the conspiracy theories, and I'm putting it in quotes, that have turned out to be true. Like, you know, the, I, 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 if I get into them, it'll even sound like it's over the edge, but Google some of the most... Um, some of the confirmed conspiracy theories to know that government cannot be trusted with the power that they wield. Of course. And anybody who thinks they can now because now they really have our, our best interests at heart does not know history and is, is, and you know, they're entitled to operate at that limited level of understanding of what the government has done in the history of government. But I forget what we started with this one. Where are we going with this? Oh, I was just shocked at how oh, people find you know, it crazy. Avoiding that, politics. Yeah. But that's, that's, I have a shirt that says politics ruins everything. And it's true. It is true. And I, I didn't think I'd be doing this a year ago. I wanted to be, you know, drone fishing with my drone. But lo and behold, government came in and ruined that too because now I'm, I'm not sure I can go drone fishing anymore. Government came in and imposed regulations on drones. That basically makes it, if it's not impossible to fly, at the very least, not fun to fly drones anymore. What kind of rules though? Like some that make sense, you can't go up with the planes? or what? Well, Some that make sense, but they basically, some that make sense, others that just make it impossible to fly a drone. You can't fly a drone within nine kilometers of an airport, which is fine, yeah. or helipad, 
or landing strip. But there's or, helipads everywhere. There's helipads now. everywhere. You can't fly your built your drone in a built up area. And without what, what does that, that mean? What does that mean? <clears throat> who knows? I mean, who knows? But basically, you can't fly a drone. Basically, in a city, you can't fly a drone in a federal park. You can't fly a drone uh, within nine kilometers of a helipad, and you'd be surprised where there are helipads. You can't fly above, uh, you know, depending on the limit where the area is, it might be three, you know, 50 meters to 400, I think it's 301 meters. You know where this government does like you to fly drones? Over Yemen, they, they seem to be cool with that. Oh, no, I, I, <laughs> no, no they, they, it's like, they, they, but they, and by the way, with that, with that, with those drone regulations, they killed an industry. They killed an industry, and, but that's it, I wanted to be flying drones and making fun videos, but government ruined that too. With some reasonable policy, but with yeah, the airports I'm cool with. I don't want to see a plane go down because someone needed to get that there's, shot. There's no question. It's, <laughs> it, with the airports, you can understand. Bill, but and then you know they make the regulation apply to drones of 300 grams and more, which is all drones. So you, yeah, you can't How, even fly a micro drone. Basically, it's going to be a matter of time before they try to race to get good quality cameras on smaller drones. But then they'll just update the law and make that. But so politics ruins everything. I just wanted to be doing. You know, standard, I, I wanted to veer into law stuff, but without being COVID channel. Hey, but then government comes in and basically shuts down my life and the life of everyone around me. And, and now the lawsuits are flaring. And now I've come to the point where I, I have to do something and I have to speak up because the government is you know, effectively destroying whatever semblance of a free country we ever had in here. And here they're, they're doubling down. Like I know that Legault doesn't want to admit overreach. Uh, he seems to be incapable of admitting uh, faults, which I think is a huge problem for us. Uh, and also, numbers-wise, I don't get why we're still under a curfew at night. It, it, to me, it's still crazy. The curfew, whether or not you thought it made sense in the first place, I never thought it made I, sense. I, I didn't, but I, I, you know, I don't make the policy. I'm not in government, and I do expect bad policy to be reflected at the voting booth. But whether or not you agreed with the policy, when it was put into effect. I think we had something like 220 people in ICU with COVID-related illnesses. I think we had maybe say close to 1,000 hospitalizations. And it was imposed for four weeks to stop an increase, to stop overwhelming the hospitals. If that indeed overwhelms the hospitals, I think we have a separate problem. But that was the rationale for the four week. We're now four months later. We're at half the numbers that we were when it was imposed to prevent the overflow and the, the overwhelming of the hospitals. We're at half those numbers now. And hey, Welcome to you. It's, it's like, it was an episode of The Family Guy, I think, where someone, you know, Stewie had a baseball bat and then this other baby gave him, he says, I'll trade you your bat for my ball. The kid gives him the ball. He whacks him on the bat, whacks him on the head with the bat and takes the ball back. He says, what, what did you learn? We're, we're sort of at that point where like, the government says, just give me your rights for four weeks. Yeah. And then he like, four weeks later, he's like, what rights? Yeah. And now it's, and now it's, now it's, it's not even on the table for discussion. We are four months later. Half the numbers that were, the numbers at the time it was imposed to prevent them from going higher. And it's become the new normal that we need to be told what time to go to bed. And people, what I find really depressing is that a lot of people like it and want it. And they, yeah. I think they feel that they need to be controlled for their own protection. And they also feel that others need to be controlled for their own protection because by you know, creating this environment, nobody trusts fellow citizens. They have to rely on the supreme authority of the supreme leader, Francois Legault, 
to literally make our bedtime decisions. Which is, you don't want a guy that makes out with his sister decide when you're going to sleep. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that. Oh, you haven't seen that video? <laughs> no. Oh, it's hilarious. It's, uh, I think he had just won something, and it's him, his wife, and his sister, and his wife turns around, and he grabs his sister and kisses her on the lips, and I feel like, uh, wrong one, dude. Wrong. <laughs> I have not seen that, but I, I oh, know hilarious. exactly what I'm doing when I leave here. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it is, people have, have uh, they've subordinated, subordinated their own decision-making to the authority of the government, and that has never ended well for anybody who has the slightest uh, awareness of history. And it's, I, I've been having ongoing arguments with some people uh, privately uh, who've been saying, yeah, there's a risk that the government doesn't give you back some rights after they take them. I was like, no, it's not a risk. It's a necessity. Yeah. And we were talking about that being the risk when it was a two-week lockdown to flatten the curve. And now we're at a point where we can't have people in our own homes. We can't celebrate holidays. We can't have weddings you know, religious gatherings. They're locking up pastors. They're locking up people from practicing their religion. They're telling you what time to be in your house. I, I, I recorded the, um, uh, the Quebec COVID awareness, one of those ads that runs on CJAD where it's like, oh, you're not allowed out of your house from 9.30 to 5 in the morning. Uh, you can't travel to a yellow zone if you're in a red zone. For I don't what, listen to Restoral Radio. I never heard that. That sounds scary. I, I'll, I'll send you the, the tweet. It, it is scary. It's scary because it's Orwellian like you could have never thought. It's like the purge. It, I, well, I have not seen the purge. I've been told it's like The Handmaid's Tale, which I have to start watching The Handmaid's Tale. I haven't watched it. I have it available, but I don't watch it because too many people I don't like like it. Well, I've been told that what we're seeing in the real world is effectively like the embodiment <gasps> of Handmaid's Tale. The uh -oh. Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's but Tale, yeah. It, it's literally. Or a, Handmaiden. Ha no, no, Handmaids. It's either Handsmaid, Handmaids. The Handmaid's Tale, for sure. But this ad literally says. Follow all the, you know, the, the guidelines all the time. No exceptions. Can't leave your house. Can't travel to a yellow zone. Uh, can't be out of your house between 9.30 and 5 in the morning. There was another one. And, oh, private gatherings in your backyard are prohibited. And now, and, and this, I, this is a year later, and there are still people who, it's like the gambler's loss fallacy, I think, but maybe a variation. Who, who's this? They're basically saying now, I've given up so much, I can't admit that I was duped in the first place, which goes back to Mark, Mark Twain's expression, uh, it's easier to fool people than it is to convince them they've been fooled. Um, I'm not saying that we've been fooled on everything. We've been bamboozled. We've been bamboozled on some things. Because I, you know, at, at the beginning, I was like, okay, while the world learns how to cope with this virus, we, we will be expected to make certain sacrifices. I felt the same way, yeah. And, and now it has become nothing shy of an excuse, on the one hand, to pro continue this, this, this trauma so that the government can double down and never actually have to address what are going to come out in the wash as objective failings and objective um, inaccuracies in, in reporting, in recording, and in the science. You know who we screwed over here in Quebec for years and they've turned out to be right and the government's something covered is the hospitals. Nurses and doctors have been complaining there's not enough. There, why are we putting money into this? We can't handle a real emergency. And then now, when we need them for real emergency, and they're like, hey, we're swamped with 20 people in certain hospitals. They, they, that, that's the limit. The government's not like... Yeah, we screwed them over. We should have helped the nurses and the doctors. They won't admit to it. They're just like, you stay home because we didn't give them money. There's no question. I said they've weaponized the healthcare system. The healthcare system is always overloaded at, during flu season, yeah. before pre-COVID. Exactly, and, and we never helped them. Everybody knew it. It's been a problem decades in the making. And why? Because doctors have left. They get their training and they get out of the province or they get out of the country that does not have proper working conditions. And that's yeah. called the brain drain and the economic drain that we're going to see from other bad government policies. But- that's where we are now. I think the new language one is going to screw us over too. It's going to screw us over the same way it did the last time. Like the fear of the referendum chases Anglos and Allos out of the province to Ontario. 
It chases business from Montreal to Toronto. That's how Mont Toronto became the hub, the economic, artistic. I know, they don't deserve to be the hub. We're I, the goddamn hub. I, I uh, make some enemies on this when I'm looking at the camera. I don't like Toronto. I actually try to avoid Toronto. I don't find the city to be aesthetically pleasing. I, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like 12 lanes of highways walking into a city or driving into a city. Look, um, we're, on the same, we're on the same page. I love the Toronto Raptors. I hate Toronto. I uh, don't watch basketball, but I'm trying to think of some of the museums I like, and I have some family. I have two brothers. And I have a lot of friends in Toronto, yeah, but that's what makes it fun for me to shit on them, and that's why they like me. <laughs> well, I, I, had, I have family that, that I haven't been able to see because the borders are closed, but either way, um, it, it, it is what caused the shift from Montreal to Toronto, mm -hmm. and it's just going to be more of the same, but you know, the healthcare problem we've known about for decades, we've known about it, and we've had a year to plan knowing the weaknesses that we had the last time for the second time around. And what do they do? Well, the argument is that they can't build hospitals because they don't have doctors and they don't have nurses. Like, okay. What's, so, yeah, why so don't we have these people? Here, here's Fix the, that. Here's the solution. It's not going to be me, me living in my house every time there's, uh, uh, you know, a virus that has a 99 point whatever survival rate or a bad flu season. You're not locking down the citizens to make up for your failed government policies, so figure it out because this is not sustainable. Thank you. Uh, but, but double down, triple down, terrorize people through $13 million a month in ad placements as to how you're going to die if you're not double masked in a park. Or at the very least, if they're not going to be convinced by that, terrify them by the fines of $1,000 to $6,000 for not complying with public health orders like they do at these protests. Another one, another... I'm happy I didn't do that commercial, that vaccine commercial from the government now. I'm very happy I didn't do it for two reasons. Number one, because fuck them. And number two, I saw how much money they're spending. They were not offering nearly enough. <laughs> well, I, I, not commenting on that, but like, I know that Francois Bellefeuille got oh, yeah, paid my boy. for that ad where he was living in the snow globe, telling everyone to be happy living in yeah. a snow globe. Incidentally, his, his version of reality where he's telling everyone to be happy being locked at home, he had a nice kitchen, he had all the nice appliances, he had a nice iPhone, uh, not iPhone, iPad. He, he was living in the lap of luxury, which I'm sure Francois Legault in his $5 million mansion Made sense. with the cinema and a pool thinks that's, that's what everyone else is living yeah. in. I can tell you, I know people who are living in one and a halfs, yeah. and this is not how they can live. It's not how anyone can live. And so when Francois Legault, not Francois, uh, Bellefeuille, Bellefeuille, puts out that ad, and we find out that that ad, I believe, cost $700,000. I don't know if he got paid. It might have been production, whatever. No, he didn't get paid 700 Gs. No, no, but I don't know if he got paid yeah. anything. So I'll even give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he did it pro bono, but that ad you know, costs somewhere in the hundreds of thousands of dollars and someone got it. Some PR firm, some ad agency got this money and I don't know what connections they had to get the contract, whatever. But Bellefeuille puts out a tweet. He's another, another vaccine selfie. And I just said, he didn't block me yet, but I just asked, did you get paid for this? Because I, I, I want to know. I don't think he got paid for the vaccine selfie. Well, okay. That I, but, I, but this is also the suspicion that these, when you know that they're getting paid to put out certain promotional items, and you know that some people are getting paid to do the vaccine selfies, yeah. I want to know. I want full transparency. So I asked him. I didn't get an answer. But um, and, uh, you know, another one, uh, Elias Makos on CJD put out a tweet said, if you want to meet with me after June 1st, you have to show proof of vaccination. Oh, nice. I'm never getting vaccinated. Stay away from me. <laughs> so, so I said, so I said, you, know, you never know. Internet's tough to determine. Pose law. It's tough in the absence of a clear indicator to determine what's humor and what's not or mm -hmm. what's parody and what's not. I didn't know if he was joking. So I said, are you joking? In a response. And then I retweeted his tweet and I said, apparently he's not joking. 
and I got blocked by Elias Mackers. Oh, that's so, how you got blocked. That's, how I got that's blocked. really not a reason to get blocked. No, I, I, I'm not. I even when I'm angry, I'm still polite, and even when I'm angry, I'm still somewhat respectful. Even though you know, I'm going to refer to Francois Legault as the supreme leader or the sunset thief, tongue in cheek. But I, I don't swear on Twitter. I don't. I don't call people names. No, except for humorous sort of satirical names. But uh, no, that's what Elias blocked me for. But it's just shocking because I've been blocked by, I think, let me think about, uh, I say six or seven people that I know of on Twitter, three of which were doctors, one of which was a journalist, one of which was Elias Mako. So these two doctors out of Ontario. He's the I, least qualified person to block you. No, no, the, the, <laughs> the, the, he, he, I don't know about that, but I'll just tell you, getting blocked by doctors when these Ontario doctors are- Why'd they get blocked? Why'd so you get blocked? One of them starts talking about COVID zero. That should be the new objective. And I said, this was never- the fuck the, is COVID zero? It means get as close to zero COVID transmission as possible and impose the regulations that are required until such time. We this never is, even got to AIDS zero. No, you never get to anything zero because it's impossible. And yeah. when they told us two weeks to flatten the curve, it sure as heck wasn't to move that goalpost to COVID zero, which is effectively locked down forever, yeah. wearing a face mask forever on my kids in school. So I questioned him, blocked, insta-blocked. There was the other one who was tweeting out, you know, this, this massive wave hitting the ICU in Toronto, uh, Ontario, which justifies Ford's house arrest. And I go to the website, you know, the, the, the daily infection rates and ICUs. And there's, there's no, you know, the ICU admissions is virtually flat, but we're dealing with a relatively low number. So you don't see a massive spike from 600 to 650, whatever. But I just said, where's the wave that you're talking about? Blocked. Oh, and it's, fuck. It's, 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 I can appreciate they're overwhelmed with negativity. I don't care. You put out a message and it's not just going to be people patting you on the back and saying, yeah, more of it. Thank you very much, sir. And if you can't answer the question. Yeah, give me some proof. Give me some proof. You don't, you're not, you're not a, uh, you know, a, a Twitter dictator. You don't just get to push your message and then shut down people who, who question you on it, although I guess they do. But that's the level of discourse coming from the people who are seemingly making the most critical decisions ever is listen to what I say, be quiet, and if you dare defy me or even question me, blocked and I'll demonize you as being, you know, one of those extreme rights who questions the mask like, like uh, Jagmeet Singh just did. But this is oh, Jagmeet Singh's uh, an imbecile. But, but it, he said that if you he said if you're worried about the vaccine, if you're worried about wearing a mask, you, it's the same thing as being an alt right extremist. I, it, it is, it is par for the course. It, it is the impossibility of people to have meaningful dialogue, and then they just they resort to block, they resort to demonize, they resort to calling you an extremist, and. I just say all the time, you know, like, you want to create vaccine hesitancy. That's the dialogue that you employ to do it. Yep. You want to create vaccine hesitancy, you call people vaccine deniers or, or uh, anti-vaxxers because they have legitimate questions about something which is arguably not even a vaccine, not FDA approved, barely been around for a year. Yeah. And if you ask questions, you know, you're an idiot. That, this is, by demonizing those people, that's how you create vaccine hesitancy. Um, and there was even one more thing about the... Uh, I forget what it was now. But... Um, it's 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 the it's just par for the course is is to win the argument you just throw out certain accusations and then you've won if only through the accusation but these are the people making the decisions and these are the people just expecting you to shut up do what you're told and don't dare ask questions and if you do you're a selfish extremist bastard yeah how how did we go from question everything get educated to stop asking questions, I know better than you. And it comes from people who don't know any well, better. I've seen videos where Trudeau has trouble walking down the stairs and he falls. Well, so but, but what's up that. with that? It's, it's even, you're, they're, they're saying don't question the science from the same people who literally say, if you deny the vaccine, if you have any hesitance about the vaccine, you're, you're a vaccine denier or whatever. And then later on in that day, they say that they're suspending AstraZeneca uh, yeah. uh, in a certain age group because of blood clots. And 
I knew people. That was an attack on women, by the way. I, 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 they I, try to kill our ladies. Someone could, someone who was into <laughs> politics could definitely spin it that way. But I, I knew someone who got the vaccine the morning of when they had that information. And then, oh, that's crazy. And then they announced it. And like, well, dude, you knew that this morning. And you're basically playing with my, my decision-making by not giving me information that you had. Let me make my own decisions. But, yeah. And then you have to spend the next month worrying about it. Now, admittedly, it might be one in a million. But that's one in a million that the individual has the right to decide without being demonized yeah. and without being said, you have to risk your life so that I can feel safe. I mean, th this I'm is- I'm more likely to survive COVID than that. So uh, no, I'm going to take my I, chance that, with the that, virus. But someone's going to say you're, you know, you're more likely to survive, but you're a selfish young bastard. And but you how am I, this is what I don't understand is how am I selfish? You, you're vaccinated to protect you from the virus, right? The fuck do you care what I do? Well, this this is the other flip side argument. They're going to say yes, but in order to achieve herd immunity, seventy percent of everyone has to get vaccinated. I'm not part of a herd. You <laughs> are the cows and the sheep. I am not part of a fucking herd. Well, what they're going to say though is that it's a selfish decision because you are still, by mm -hmm. whatever millionth of a risk, putting yeah. someone else at risk. Because if you don't get the vaccine and you become a carrier and you right. give it to someone else, well, why doesn't that son of a bitch get vaccinated? Well, or or, or not just that. If if someone is so fragile yeah. and is so at risk. They're the ones to be protected. Exactly. This is what I've been saying from the very beginning. I, you know, I get yelled at on Twitter. It's like, oh, instead of just criticizing, what do you propose? I propose what I said almost a year ago. There's a war in Afghanistan right now. I'm not here with a bulletproof vest and a minesweeper because there's a war down there. They got to handle their shit. It, it, is, it is allocating the risk where it is. And I've been saying from the beginning, you protect the vulnerable. You do what's necessary to protect them. You do know what's necessary to treat them. And you let those who are not vulnerable live to maintain the infrastructure. What do we do? You shut everything down. You cripple the healthy as well as the sick. And by crippling the healthy, you penalize the sick even more. I was reading the judgment that came out of the federal court to, that, that authorized or that declared constitutionally justifiable Justin Trudeau's quarantine hotels. So I'm going to use that awful euphemism. Uh, the prisons. How is that justifiable? The, the, the prisons that are located in hotels. That's how I call it. I don't care that they call it a hotel. I don't yeah, you care can't that, come out of your room. They, I, yeah, they, I don't care that it's in a hotel. When you are, when you are detained by the government uh, under lock and key and supervision, you cannot leave. It's a prison. It just happens to be located in a hotel. Yeah, that's true. But the federal court comes out and says, given the risk of international arrivals, of testing positive upwards of 14 days later, the quarantine hotel is a justifiable infringement that can, that can be saved under the first article of the, of the I might be mixing up the charter here, but, uh, but bottom line, it is a restriction that can be justified in a free and democratic society. That's the criteria. Because of the risk that people coming who have tested negative on arrival could still test positive up to 14 days later. And the judge, giving an example to illustrate the dire risk of this, referred to a breakout at a long-term healthcare facility, I think it was in Barrie, Ontario, where something like 71 people died because one of the people coming back from international travel tested positive uh, up to two weeks later, but lived with someone who worked in healthcare. That person got it, brought it to the uh, long-term healthcare facility. Killed everyone. And everyone got, well, even taking for granted that that's how it happened, uh, because I don't know how they made all that evidence of that particular incident in an injunction on a, on a separate question. I don't know how they did that, and I have my questions, but just taking for granted that... Uh, they since made a law that says that anyone doing the quarantine at home cannot reside with someone working in healthcare. So that hypothetical or that incident it's, couldn't replicate now anyhow. Yeah, yeah. And that incident would not be responded to by a three-day mandatory quarantine in a, in, a, in a government hotel because if you can test positive for 14 days later, that doesn't justify the three days. That seems to justify 14 days in a quarantine hotel. Either way, the judge takes that incident to 
explain why this measure is necessary when it's yet another example of these long-term healthcare facilities that are understaffed, under-equipped, where all the outbreaks occurred. And there's a lot of neglect in a lot there's of them. A, and, and a government report just came out and said that there was, I don't know the exact number, I forget it, but that not an insignificant number of people who died in healthcare facilities did not die from COVID. They died from starvation and dehydration and yeah, neglect. Yeah. That's what I'm talking, and, yeah. Yeah, no, no, it just came out. It just came out. Another, another article that will not be what should be the, the scandal of the, of the year in Canada CBC is going to report on it, and then it'll get deranked on Google, and it'll get deranked on CBC's websites and whatever. It's scandalous. It's scandalous. It's, a, it's, they, a, it's embarrassing. Literally starving to death. The ones that didn't die from the virus because the, the, the long-term healthcare facilities did not have the required PPE because Justin Trudeau donated it to China in February, knowing what was coming to Canada. The ones that didn't die you know, from COVID. Over the year, two of my friends in the beginning, two, uh, two of them, their fathers separate died in a long-term care facility from what they said was COVID. Uh, I assume it probably was. Um, and both had questions no, no, at it, the time. Both were like, that's fucking... I, it is... I, I could not begin to describe the, the anger that I would be feeling if I were in that position of those individuals. My, my grandmother-in-law died. She was in a long-term healthcare facility where they had an outbreak. She survived the outbreak. She survived nine months of effective total isolation and then I think she just basically died of loneliness and a heartbreak. broken heart. Yeah. yeah, and she didn't die from COVID, but I, no one's going to convince me that she didn't die because of COVID. She, all that she ever wanted in life was to socialize with her grandkids, with her kids, with my, with her great grandkids, and she was locked up for nine months. Where the first time we got to see her after some restrictions were lifted, outside with these visors and gloves and face masks, and all she wanted to do was hug someone, and she died shortly thereafter. And the amount of people that that happened to. It's, we have, in the name of protecting the old, are torturing the old. And you're torturing the vulnerable. And it's, it's these failed government policies. Instead of admitting it, they double down and they got to demonize someone else because their policies have actually had the exact opposite effect. Now, that was a tangent just to say that this absurd fringe risk that the judge invoked in this federal court decision was actually another long-term healthcare facility where there have been outbreaks from the very beginning. And they are using that example to justify effectively restricting people's rights, mobility rights, and compelling them to spend three days in a government-designated quarantine facility and pay $2,000 for the pleasure of being imprisoned. It's, it's, There's it's a way around it, right? Let's say if I go down to Texas, hypothetically conduct some business, and then I come back, I decide to fly to Plattsburgh and then drive across the border. Yeah. Is that cool? That, that, from what I understand, that is permissible, and you can bypass the three days in the government quarantine hotels and you can do the 14 days at home because I even understand the rationale for that is that when you're coming in by a car, there's less risk of you bouncing in and out or coming from overseas. You're sort of more landlocked and you're sort of more dedicated to the country. But yeah, that's, that's one way people have been getting around it at the very least to quarantine at home. The other way. And are we allowed to vacation? I'm allowed to leave the country if I want to, right? You're allowed to leave. Good luck trying to come back. I mean, I'm, I'm not doing it. I, uh, I'm not taking a chance. I'm not, I'm not also can you imagine the government says you want to leave? You have to come back and quarantine your house for two weeks, even if you test negative. I mean, this is... Oh, do if I cross the land border, are they still going to impose that two-week thing? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're locked up at home for two weeks, even if you cross by road, even if you test negative before. Uh, but at the very least, you get to get out of the government hotels and you don't have to pay 2000 bucks for it. The other, the other way, if you're connected, from what I understand, you know, if you're politically correct and connected, the, the rules don't apply. I, I don't think... That all the politicians who were flying to the islands and the Turks no, and they Caicos, didn't do that too. I don't think, think they're quarantining for two weeks when they get back. And if they do, all they're doing is taking two weeks off of work in any event. And so they're getting paid twice. It's 
it's, it's the necessary result of absurd rules is that it only penalizes the people who are not connected and who can't get around the rules. And those who can't get around the rules just effectively stay landlocked. They stay, they, they don't travel for work. Lord knows what, what impact that has on them. And then others, you know, bounce in and out and CEOs of companies fly in and out for, for day trips and they stay on their plane and whatever. It's, um, it's atrocious. These sons of bitches. I won't use that word, but I will say that it is, it is uh, counterintuitive, counterproductive, and it's really a slap in the face of, of the population. The problem is, as I see it, a lot of people have been traumatized into thinking this is necessary to ensure their own safety. And th- this is an amazing anecdote. Last night, I went out to the orange julep. Uh, oh yeah, I saw the video. Yeah, it's and I, you know, I didn't go out there to make a political point, and I, I don't think I did. But you go to the orange julep, it was jam packed with people and young people and young people who might not be following certain rules. I saw some cops. There were cops there, so you know, if anyone deserved a ticket, I'm just going to do quotes again. If anyone deserved a ticket, the cops were there to give it to them. But what I did notice is we showed up. There was a group of people who showed up, elderly people, showed up with masks, and I think they might have even been double masked. But the effect of actually being around other people and being resensitized to freedom and risk allocation, by the end of the evening, they had their masks off. They weren't, they weren't French kissing strangers. No, but no, but They were in their bubble. But you could see the way it works, is that they saw freedom. They saw what it was like to not be living in this bubble of fear in their house or apartments and being socialized with reality. And it changed their mind. And it, it changed... My framework as well, my mental framework. Like I had, I had a, a very negative headspace over the weekend having to celebrate my wife's 40th birthday digitally with her friends, have them mail pictures, and like I'm supposed to be happy about this. And I'm supposed to think that this is, this is necessary to protect people. And then my kid has an event where uh, it's like science fiction. Zoom calls, they go into their class, and you know, it's one person with the teacher, the teacher. It's, I'm, I'm supposed to be led to believe that this is normal and necessary when I, I don't believe it's necessary or proportionate. But and we're lucky that we got anecdotal evidence. We we had other places tested for us. For example, Houston. <laughs> but like you know, Texas and Florida both tested the theory for us, and we all waited. We're like, they're all gonna two, die. Two weeks, <laughs> they're gonna be dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the thing about like one of the benefits about having an international community of sub- subscribers and connections, like I do, is people send me videos from the Philippines. You know, they're eating in restaurants. They're not. They're, there's there's nothing of what we see here. But. Keep people locked in a bubble of fear, and if that doesn't work, keep them in locked in an economic travel restriction bubble where they can't even cross provincial borders, let alone international borders. They won't see what's going on in the rest of the world, and they will forget what freedom smells like, tastes like, and feels like. And they will, you know, you, you keep them locked in, I want to say an emotional cage, like, like Anchorman, but um, you basically keep them trapped in their own minds with a disproportionate um, appreciation for fear and risk. And if they don't see what the rest of the world is doing and they don't see how it actually worked in Florida and, and Texas, admittedly, Florida and Texas are going to say that they had the results they had because of better vaccination. And even if that's true, by the way, the government screwed up on vaccination in Canada. Oh, big time. And then what, what do they do again? Punish the people instead of identifying the government and punishing the government problem. So it, it is a lose-lose one way or the other with Texas and Florida. Either two weeks face masks later and you can see that it's not cataclysmic uh, and I was honestly nervous, and then after about a month, I was thinking, "How is this possible? I don't, I don't get it. Shouldn't everyone have been dead right now? Judging by what I've been told, they they got to record lows. At the same time, we get to record lows in Quebec. Except government 
silliness being what it is, you have Francois Legault who's going to say, we got to where we got because of the curfew and because of these draconian measures. And Do you think they're panicking? Is that why they're still imposing? Because they're like, we don't really know what could happen. We don't want to be responsible. I, th- I think that's part of it. Like if they, if they, they've set the bar now so high in terms of like, we won't need to get to COVID zero that if there's a bump to a, a bigger number, but still what we can deal with, they don't want to be blamed for one death. They okay, don't. They yeah. don't want to be blamed for one COVID death. Even though they killed all the old people well, already. That, no, but that's and that's that's another separate issue. It's like you know, the, the the most vulnerable have already been ravaged because of their policies. But they don't want to be blamed for one COVID death because the measurement is not is not protection. It's protection from COVID. That's the that's the blinders. They don't want to be blamed for suicides. They don't want to be blamed for heart attacks. Uh, and nor will they be because that's much more difficult to measure than testing someone in the, in the nose, you know, after they've passed away or whatever and determining it was COVID. So they don't want to be blamed for one COVID death. Doesn't matter for the rest. The rest is going to be for another government in a generation to answer for. Whoa, why are people dying of cancer in 25 years? Oh, maybe because for one to two years, we canceled elective surgeries, basically made it impossible for anyone to go get diagnosis or treatment for cancers. And that's going to have an impact down the line, but yeah. it won't be a COVID death and it won't be Francois Legault's government. With but, all the money they're putting in, in, in these ads, you'd think they would also, because they never talk about living a healthy lifestyle. And I feel like these fat people are getting too confident. I'm one of them. I've, I'm a confident fat guy now because they haven't said that my lifestyle is dangerous. So. <laughs> it is. We know the correlation between obesity and uh, COVID deaths. And it's just, they have been pushing all of the wrong uh, messages. You know, stay at home, constantly disinfect, stay indoors. Stop exercising. Stop, literally, stop exercising, stop getting sunlight. There, there was this, you know, again, I'm not a doctor, but I, I, I listen to doctors. Um, the flu season ravages the northern sta- the northern countries because it's it's effectively a vitamin D deficiency. And I've so, been downing the D by the way for uh, months. But now. <laughs> everyone everyone has, and they said no matter you know there there's doctors who say no matter how much sun you get in the winter, it's not going to be enough because of the angle of the sun. You have to you have to supplement. The government has been promoting locking down, staying indoors, uh, constantly disinfecting, and psychological stress, which has an impact, as opposed to going outside, getting sunlight, getting exercise. I haven't heard one report about vitamins. They never said, hey, guys, by the way, since we're locked up inside, take your vitamins. Not even once. Not just that. Even talk about that on social medias, I don't. You'll get shut down because that's, you know, that that's conspiratorial advice. Vitamins! Vitamins! I, I, would, I wouldn't even get into it here, but I've heard and know of people who talk about vitamin D and supplements getting into trouble. These Be, are ha- facts. Oh, no, but having their Instagram posts. This isn't snake oil. These are facts. Well, I, I, my, I, I don't want to name anybody or even give enough information to allow for a naming, but Instagram posts from scientists uh, that are getting flagged because of this, because they're encouraging vitamin D. Uh, because it's, it's, you know, it, they treat it the same way they treated the way other doctors discussed uh, invermect- invermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine, but whatever. Uh, I have some hydroxychloroquine at home just in case, by the way. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I was not injecting bleach, even though I do have bleach at home. Um, but no, it's, it's like, that's how they treat vitamin D. They, and that's how they treat other uh, suggestions. But it's beyond that. You have de Blasio getting out there and posting. It's not just cringeworthy. It's nauseous. You're talking about the burger and fries burger, thing? This, this, <laughs> this guy slopping down French fries in a burger because you get a free one if you get a vaccine. Poseidon, Same. we're talking about, he's the governor. He's, he is the governor of New York City, yes. Yeah. And he's at a press conference. Ma- the, sorry, eating, he's, he's the mayor. He's, he's the, the mayor. mayor. He's the mayor. Uh, yeah, the mayor of New York City. And he's, he's uh, uh, the, the governor is the other idiot. Uh, Cuomo. Oh, yeah. So he's, he's eating uh, from Shake Shack. A burger, and he's like, you get free fries, I think, if you go get vaccinated. He's he's biting into it, and like, you'll notice even when I do podcasts, I hate hearing that of your mouth. Yeah. He's slopping this down, like, "Mm, oh, that burger tastes like free vaccine. I mean, oh, no, sorry, the the, the free burger tastes like vaccine. It was, 
it was wrong on every level because you're also, he's not a doctor. You got the mayor of New York City saying, go out and eat unhealthy crap to get a free vaccine where people might actually have to consult with their doctors as to which vaccine they get, whether or not they get a vaccine. I have a family member who had Guillain-Barre syndrome who may not be able to get, who, who is in fact, you shouldn't get a vaccine if you've had yeah, no, no, GBS. No, yeah, yeah. So you have this, this mayor, I was about to say a bad word. You have this silly mayor slopping down fast food crap telling you, go get a, a vaccine because you get a free burger. And this is, this is promoted. This, this is, is reality. not objectionable. And then you have, uh, you know, I forget what state it's in, where they're giving a lottery. You know, they're going to offer a million dollars to five people when, for people who get vaccinated. I mean, this is incentivizing uh, reckless behavior that bypasses people's actual doctors. Oh, that's a little scary. If, it, if you need to offer someone a million dollars to get the vaccine, that just makes me not want to get it. I'm not, <laughs> no, no, no comment, but, I, but and not just that. You have that. You have bars offering free drinks. All, you know, all well, the, the bars I get because they're like, guys, we need some business. No, I, I understand the rationale is that people want people to get vaccinated, but a vaccine, it's still, so you talk to your doctor because yeah. if you're not a doctor, and even if you are, don't uh, treat yourself, but talk to your doctor. But you don't have the mayor of New York telling you to go eat crap so you can get a free vaccine and then go back to being locked up in your apartment and not getting any exercise, which is, or vitamin D. So it's all nuts. And instead of this being... Uh, you know, sanctioned in the negative sense. Instead of that being not tolerated, it's promoted messaging. It's it's preposterous. And yeah, yeah a, a vaccine, like the polio vaccine, you don't need to promise anyone anything to take it. And a pandemic typically does not require an advertising budget. Yeah, exactly. It, there, there, and that's not to say that it's not there's not an issue here. It's just that when you need to spend $13 million a month, it's one of two problems. Either the risk is not so great that people see the need or necessity on their own, or you found a good excuse to siphon off some taxpayer dollars to your connected media agencies and celebrities, and let's just let's spread the wealth to advise to inform the people. It's for their own good, after all. Uh, you, you make me angry. Politics ruins everything. It's it's terrible, and it's and you see the way it works. Poseidon, you want to give me a bottle of water? Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's um. So the thing that I was thinking of right now was obviously they're ruining everything with uh, politics because they bring it into our everyday life. Like right now, it's a podcast, or generally when you're doing your vlogs, it'll come in. You can't walk your dog at night without, you know. So it's kind of um, permeating our everyday culture, and I don't think it's avoidable for the next couple of years. I think this is going to stay with us for such a it's long time. Because if you met, for example, the vaccine, uh, I see that people are out of touch because I remember uh, the homie Joe Rogan was getting shit on. They're like, he's not a doctor. He's telling young people not to get vaccinated. When the full in-context quote was he said, uh, yeah, I wasn't even planning on getting vaccinated, but they had canceled it last minute. He goes, you know, get vaccinated if you feel like you do your research. But what I'm telling young people, he said, is get healthy. Take your vitamins, exercise first, and don't worry about the vaccine because you're not at that age, which is the same thing I say, the same thing scientists are saying. Get healthy first, especially if you're in that age group. This I, I heard the clip. It's the risk of saying things, especially when you talk for three hours. Yeah, uh, You're going to say something that someone's going to be able to take out of context. I heard what he said. I you know I I would have I would have been able to digest what he said without the media lambasting him. Yeah, uh, Joe Rogan's not a doctor. You know who else is not a doctor? Bill Gates. Yeah. So it, it, don't tell me that Joe Rogan can't express his opinion, but you can have the Bill Gates effectively telling everyone why they need to you know telling everyone the exact opposite message. But because we they, have an elite class now because even Prince Harry came out and he said uh, Bill Gates uh, not Bill Gates uh, Joe Rogan he doesn't like what Joe Rogan says he should watch what he says which is so crazy how, how, about, how about he if, if Joe Rogan should watch what he says so should Prince Harry well, Prince Harry's, criticizing him well Prince Harry said 
he believes the First Amendment is bonkers. bonkers. I read that as well. Bonkers. Freedom of speech? You let the peasants speak? No, but, That's bonkers. Just, but bear in mind, this is coming from the guy who had to flee his oppressive family and now saying that freedom of speech, he doesn't get it. He, oh, oh I, we get it. You, you just you don't like what the person is saying, and that's exactly what freedom of speech is for. But this yeah. is a guy who had to escape some form of maternal or, or family oppression to be free, quite literally. Now telling us that you know the, the freedom of speech is bonkers. He's but then again, you just say one stupid thing when you're at a at a plateau like that, and people will run with it forever. It's a stupid thing what he said. I could I could forgive him. He goes around saying things. He's going to say stupid things from time to time. Oh, you know why I could forgive him? Because he's one of the royals, but he doesn't walk around with a fucking scepter, like some weird no, Dungeons no, and no, Dragons but, but he, LARPing guy. But he, so he's cool. Now he crowdfunds for a house because he needs security. And then, and then <laughs> after having left, oh, they, I think they were asking, they were crowdfunding for their, for the, for their $15 million mansion. From they started I, a GoFundMe for that? I, I don't know if it was a GoFundMe, but someone did. Uh, you know what? I should, I don't know enough of the details, but I'm fairly certain if I could look at my phone, but no, there was an issue where they were saying, we, 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 need, we need private security. We need a, a house. So, uh, and we've been cut off from the royal family. I, too, have been cut off from the royal family. <laughs> it's called growing up. Yeah. Is what, typically what it's called. Yeah, but the queen no, doesn't like me. No, no, it's, it's, Send it's, me money. You know, Joe wrote, you say something that's counter-narrative. If you don't have the credentials, you're ostracized off the face of the earth. Especially now, to even not toe the, the line is to foment dissent and, and like, you know, chaos. If, you, if, if people listen to Joe Rogan, it's going to be the end of the world because we've been conditioned over the last year that if you don't get this, you know, if you don't, if you don't follow all the rules all the time, no exceptions, quoting from the ad, you are literally a selfish bastard who wants granny to die. But Which is crazy. It, it, it's, it's, it's madness. It is, it's, it's become the, a, a tyranny of sorts or a doctatorship or a tyranny of public health measures. I mean, it, it, the, my, my major issue with all of this is, okay, fine, we'll get past this pandemic. You know, we'll get past this COVID. Then what? Do we, does anyone not think that everything that applied in response to COVID is going to apply mutatis mutandis to the next bad flu season? And I'm not equating the flu to COVID. I'm just applying the reasoning of the measures. Does anyone not think this is going to happen every time there's a bad flu season? Of course. And so now, now we've effectively said life has to be guaranteed survivable, which is the exact opposite. And yeah, there is no guarantee of survival. No, and, and as if as if there's, as if nobody's measuring the negative effects of all of this for later on. But you know, we've talked about that. It's just th this reasoning, this willingness of people to submit to a sanitary dictatorship, is going to apply mutatis mutandis to a number of other situations that are going to be even less extreme than COVID. And COVID was arguably never extreme enough to justify the global madness that it has caused. Yeah, because I'm very much against curfew. I'm against forced lockdown of businesses. I, uh, to be honest, the masks. I don't mind. It, yeah, it gives me the incognito ability. Plus, some of these people, they should always be wearing masks. I don't want to see them. <laughs> um, so there's a lot. Even the hand sanitizers everywhere, though I don't like people force me to put it on repeatedly. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll walk into a mall. I'll put it on. It's still wet. I go into a store. And then they're like, can you please put ours? Because our product is different. That's crazy to me. But I like the fact that it's available now because I feel like people are taking cleanliness more seriously. So there's a lot of positives that came out of this. What I don't like is you're not allowed to question any, anything, which I thought that's what we should do in the first world if we're educated, just ask questions. You know, you, it's, it's what science is about. Yeah. And, and the idea that you can't question anything. You can't question face masks when Fauci was saying you don't need them. You can't question face masks when they say you need them. You can't question any vaccine until you get reports that it's being suspended for age groups. Then you still can't question, by the way. You just, by the way, what you just said is very interesting because I remember 
a flip-flop in two. I remember people complaining about AstraZeneca before it was, all right, let's stop it. And like, this is dangerous. I don't want to take it. And Trudeau came out and said, it's safe. the best take vaccine for you, you is the first one you get. There's nothing. And then hours later, he's like, yeah, we got to stop this. It's killing the ladies. It is, but, and you can't, you can't, and you would, you would have been an anti-vaxxer to even suggest it. Exactly. And which so, is what I find crazy. It is. It's turned science into a religion. I don't even want to say a religion because religion has good uh, attributes to it. And it's, I'm it's, pro-science, but I, what they're doing is not science. What, what, what the, what the media is it's, doing is dogma. It's, it's dogma. not science. It, it becomes a religion. It, it's become, I would even, I'd take it one step further. I would say not, it's become superstition. Yeah. Uh, dogmatic superstition. Just do what they say and you'll be bestowed with, with protection. Don't question anything. And it's, it's conditioning also not just for health crises, but environmental crises too. It's, they're going to, this logic is going to be applied if it is not already being applied to climate change and to the, to the measures that are required for climate change and to the sacrifice that the government is going to expect every individual to make for this, you know, the, the, the greater good of climate change. It's, it was, I read a report that had said you're selfish if you have children. Oh yeah, well, God, there's, there's, but uh, there's, but we can't just stop having children, then the human race won't exist. Well, no, because you stop having children, and then the government says, "Whoa, Canadian population's not growing fast enough. We need to increase immigration." I mean, it's, it's, it, there, there's a, a vicious circle to this lack of logic. But I, I don't place too much. You know, there's a lot of stupid things that go around on the internet. There yeah. was a checklist uh, about white privilege, and it had like 96 items on it. And I read through it. I don't know how prominent this list was or how reputable the source was, but all that I know is that reading that. If someone said to me that this list represents white privilege, I would say, you, sir, madam, whoever gave me that list, uh, suffer from the bigotry, soft bigotry of low expectations if you think that these are not things that apply to other cultures as well. Because if you think this list only applies to white privilege, you don't think very much of, of minorities and other groups. And I, I'm going to have that discussion with someone one day, and I'm going to rub their face in that soft bigotry of low expectations. The idea that confidence is a question of white privilege means that this person thinks that other people, other races and are not confident. should not have confidence or do not have confidence. Which is not true. I'm Greek. I don't know if now I'm white again. Uh, I've been, they, they keep changing. <laughs> they keep changing the rules. I wasn't white a few years ago. Then I became white a year and a half ago. Now I think me and the Italians were off white again. So I don't know. But either way, we got all kinds of confidence. So <laughs> like it's not a white off, thing. Off white. I don't know. <laughs> and this is the other thing, like just subdividing. I don't know, you know, who fits into what group anymore. But yeah. um, no, it, it is science has turned into dogma. It's turned into people pulling up face masks while they brush shoulders with you on the street on a sunny day while they're jogging. It's turned into reflexive superstition, and it's it's just a it's a form of trauma, and it's the effect of a form of psychological trauma that is normal for anybody who has lived through what we have lived through over the last year. And I I, I reflexively have it too, but it's a question of you know knowing that you're in that moment and reflexively changing your reaction, or at the very least changing your behavior, notwithstanding your reaction. Because I see someone sneeze, I'm going to have the same reaction I had before COVID. Like someone sneezes, I always held my breath, thinking like there's some yeah, idiotic yeah. thing about, don't inhale the air for 30 seconds, you'll be fine. I still have those thoughts, but get them in check. Uh, the problem is that not only are people not getting them in check, they're being rewarded for not getting them in check. They're being declared and considering themselves the morally virtuous ones. And anybody who dares try to get this in check, try to you know put things in perspective is selfish, alt-right extremist, quite literally. And because I know that your CJD rivals like to take everything out of context because uh, they're very bad at their job, just to be clear, in case people are misunderstanding, I know that what we're, we're saying, we're propagating out here, is healthy lifestyles are important. Um, we're 
in no way or, like you even came outside with a mask we're not anti-maskers we're not anti-vaxxers no, we're I, pro questions pro logic what i am anti is i'm not even anti full lockdown i'm anti curfew 100 percent. i think the curfew is ridiculous i'm anti limiting people's freedoms and also i am anti uh lockdown of certain businesses because it, it seems like we're selective right now so certain restaurants are open but bars uh, can't be open you could open up your bar if you promise not to serve food or alcohol which effectively means you can't open up your bar so that's what i'm anti but i'm not anti-vax i'm not anti i'm no, pro-science I, I, first of all I, and just, like i get flack from both sides because i i can i say that you know certain measures are difficult to justify based on the numbers we have mm. and then i get criticized by some element of my following saying you, you're at a you're at a protest wearing a mask and it's like yeah I'm not going to the protest to get arrested. I'm not going there to encourage others not to follow the law. Even yeah, if I think but the also- law is, I think the law is unconstitutional, but the courts disagree. And I'm not going out there to make a protest or encourage others to get in trouble with the law. Exactly. I'm, I'm gonna speak my mind. <clears throat> I, you know, I'm gonna, I wear the mask uh, where it's required. Uh, the, the, where I have an issue is there has to be a correlation between the infringement and, and a remarkable one to justify it violating someone's civil rights the way all of our civil rights have been violated. It's not, I don't, I read that federal judgment. It's not because one in a hundred people might test positive uh, two weeks later that you can force people into confinement when returning by air travel. I mean, I don't, I don't believe that that risk can justify, even if that risk is accurate, I think that risk is uh, exaggerated. But even if that risk is accurate, that can't be what's required to basically shut down a country. You yeah. may as well, it's, it's, it's a digital Berlin Wall. But it's the media does this because the media scares the shit out of people. Because people, I remember when the Indian variant was being discussed, they made it seem like Quebec is done and Canada is done. Of course like the Indian variant came in, we're all dying. What are you talking about? Why well, would you say that on the news? Well, first of all, they, they'll say it because they're not going to contradict the government that is spending $13 million a month on their airways for advertising. It's, it's obvious. I mean, it's, that's the, that is the necessary result of the uh, incestuous relationship that comes when the government effectively props up an industry that is strapped for cash. It's, it's the necessary invariable corruption. We're spending... If you listen to CJAD or you listen to any daytime radio, I refuse. I, I, half of their ads are COVID ads. I might be exaggerating. A, a, a significant portion of their ads are COVID ads. A significant portion of their revenue is derived from the government spending this money on their airways. If they contradict it, on the one hand, they'll probably not get the ad space anymore. And on the other hand, uh, how can they contradict it or question that which they are advertising for during their ad breaks? I mean, it, it, it's just, but it is the it is the necessary corruption that results from the government basically having too much of an influence on the media through either direct funding, like through the federal government, or indirect uh, funding through subsidizing them by way of COVID ads to the tune of millions of dollars a month. Are people legally allowed to wait for the vaccine till it gets some kind of FDA approval or just for their own safety? Well, from what I understand now, it's not mandatory in Quebec. They're, what they're talking about making mandatory to bypass what would obviously be, I think, an unlawful violation of rights. You can't make someone take the vaccine, but what you can do is make their life so miserable if exactly. they don't that they're going to do it out of... Out of, out of Necessity. What's the word? Yeah, they're going to basically you know, succumb to the pressure. So yeah. they're talking about a vaccine passport, and you have Trudeau. I'm going to paraphrase it, but I'm going to get it close to right, saying we're looking at the vaccine passport to make it easier for you to get services or get better services. I mean, this is... This is um, I mean, it's it's next level uh, invasion of privacy where you're talking about people on the one hand who might have medical reasons for not getting a vaccine. They might have psychological reasons for not wanting a vaccine. They might have religious reasons for not getting it. Or they might just make a calculated decision 
with their own risks and their own life. But this, you know, this divisive discourse has gotten to the point now where it's not my decision. It's my decision for everyone else. And if I, if I make a decision that other people don't like, I'm being selfish and I'm impacting them because they've, in their irrational framing of the risks associated with this, if I don't get a vaccine, I'm literally killing their grandmother in their, in their, in their heads. When the risks of that are so insubstantial by any statistical measurement that, you know, this is going to apply to seasonal flu. I mean, they're going to, people are going to now require me to take a slew of vaccines because there's a risk that if I don't do it, I might infect someone who might infect someone who might. You had a judge coming out of, uh, it, was, it was British Columbia, I think it was, well, I think it was British Columbia, who said in one of her judgments that as if you throw a party and you break these health orders and someone gets, contracts COVID at your party and then goes and kills grandma, as far as I'm concerned, you're guilty of manslaughter. This is what a judge literally said in a judgment. And then it, so know, then theoretically, by her logic, we got to lock up the government because their decisions led to us so killing thousands of old people. This, this was one of the retorts. The other, I mean, there were a number of retorts to this other than being like, you know, how on earth do you go about even proving this? But if that's the new threshold, uh, does it apply to the flu? Does it apply to anything else where uh, illness, communicable illness? Yeah. It's so preposterous the, to, for a judge to allude to that. And it's such a, a, an emotional thing to say in a judgment that's not based on logic or anything. That if that's the new threshold, that you, know, you, you throw a party in violation of... Because it, it would have to be, you violated a public health order, so you've committed an unlawful act, which led to someone's death, therefore manslaughter. So it wouldn't apply to the government because they didn't do anything unlawful because you know, the government can't break the law. Um, but it's, it, I mean, that, that's the framework. That's the mental framework of a judge sitting on the bench who says, if you violate these laws, the only reason they're laws in the first place is because they've crea- the government's created them. Whether or not they're constitutional in that, they haven't actually gone through the legislative process for the most part. But you create these edicts under the public health acts. So now it's law. And if you don't follow it, and we contact trace back to you, manslaughter according to this judge, well, remember when everyone was saying, I'm not doing the contact tracing because I don't trust the app and I don't trust the government? Well, <laughs> this might be a good reason why people oh, yeah. are you, <laughs> you accidentally get arrested you volunteered you downloaded the app and they trace it to you and you oh you did something illegal you went out you were closer than two meters to someone outside and someone died Man, according to this judge you could be on the hook for manslaughter i mean i think legally it's it's um it's unjustifiable so i don't think it's in absurd law, it's absurd but you have a judge saying it and and this is the this is the world in which we're living it is so fucking crazy. And as soon as uh, what I'm shocked is regular people saying the second you ask a question, you're a conspiracy theorist or you're alt right or whatever the fuck. I don't know what the new term is. There's going to be a new one soon, uh, which is absurd because most of the people that I follow are not anti. They're pro science. They're pro asking questions. They they wear their masks. They don't fucking argue with people. They don't start fights. It's just they have the same questions I have. Number one, do I need to risk it with the vaccine or do I not? Uh, curfew, does that actually help or is it just infringing on my rights and pissing me off uh, and infringing on everyone's rights? The lockdowns, are they fully necessary the way they're applied right now? These should be questions everyone's asking. We, and It feels like when people don't have a rational answer or response, they panic and they go, you're a goddamn racist. Yeah, there's, no, there's no question. Which I, doesn't fit into anything. I have, the, I have the discussion with someone who accused me of being a Trump supporter. I was like, how, <laughs> how does any of this go back to Trump? Like, that's in your head, not yeah, in mine. That, but, yeah, that's projecting. But um, no, it, it is, uh, we've seen it in real time. It's the moralizing of 
of the discussion. It's the moralizing of the law where if you dare question it, it has to be because you're immoral. Just do it. It's for the greater good. And, and the government, by it sounds... Look, for the greater good, I'm willing to even kill my producer. I would do it even <laughs> if it's not for the greater good. Uh, <laughs> but it's just prove to me that it's for the greater good. No, prove, prove that it's for the greater good, that it's, that it's, that it's effective. Yeah, the, yeah, the whole idea yeah is exactly. That you're saying, I have to get the vaccine in order for your vaccine to be effective. That's, a, that's an interesting... Uh, that's an interesting type of vaccine you have. But, and but, quite the conundrum we're in. And, and if you even, and if you, and, and then where does it go there? You're going to make, you're going to make us vaccinate kids. And then if you even ask the questions, you become an anti-vaxxer. You become an anti-vaxxer on par with polio vaccine. And yeah. this is the level of intellectual dishonesty of the discourse. You've heard people analogize COVID vaccine to polio vaccine. So yeah. first thing first, apparently in the early days of the polio vaccine, it had some very bad effects on children. Of course. And they had to tweak it. They had to tweak it. And it was only after a decade of use that they had, you know, demonstrable effic uh, efficacy and safety. So they're not comparable. And to try to, in some, to try to confuse those two is itself an act of intellectual dishonesty because they're not the same. They're not the same in terms of track record, in terms of safety. And even if you want to treat them the same, polio had some big problems in the beginning. So, but the second you try to kill the discussion and basically shame people into relinquishing their most fundamental civil rights and liberties, you've gone from a discussion, you've gone from a free society to an actual, some form of tyranny or dictatorship. And in this case, it's a dictatorship based on public health, sanitation. Is there anything you think we can do to bring back the level of honest discourse and because I, I feel like now the 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 defense mechanism, if someone says something you don't like, it's to demonize them instead of debating or understanding to try to change the person's mind or to meet common ground. I I, I see it on Twitter a lot. I mean, Twitter's toxic, but I'll see someone like, okay, that's they they believe in something I don't, but that's a reasonable tweet, you know. And then I'll go look at the comments. And I'm like, oh fuck, that is not a reasonable response. No, no, you know? there's there's I say social media has exacerbated this tendency, this phenomenon, but it's always been. To some extent, the phenomenon in political discourse is it's it's you know it's the shots, the cheap shots, the quick retorts, and the quick uh, quips. Uh, so you can demonize and score some quick points. That has become the level of discourse. Social media has exacerbated that problem. People, they don't have discourse. They try to fit in an, an insult in 140 characters yeah. that's going to you know trigger uh, the dopamine response that they get for a successful tweet. What do we need? People need to learn how to separate an idea from a person, and people need to separate disagreeing with a person on an issue with disagreeing with that person as a person. But yeah. what can you do? You, can't, you, you, you can only do it through discourse. What do we need on a political level? We need politicians who are now going to attempt to deprogram the damage that they've done over the last year. But it can't be, like I said, it can't be the same politicians who have traumatized everybody. It's like the person who's telling you to fear spiders your entire life overnight says, okay, well, now, you know, don't spiders worry about are spiders. Cool. They're cool. Yeah. Never mind. We can't get all, we just realized we can't get rid of all of them, so enjoy your life with them. No, you need someone who's actually going to sensitize you to the real risks of spiders as opposed to the person who's basically been, you know, making them sound like they're going to, if a spider touches you, you're going to die. I mean, but you, it has to be a different set of politicians who are going to do this, but, I, you know, it has to be a population that wants to hear this message or that, you know, thinks it's time to hear this message. And who votes politicians in who are going to share this message, assuming that it's the true message. I mean, that's the thing. It's not a question of convincing people there's no risk where there is risk. Yeah. It's a question of having people who are going to sensitize people to the actual risk as opposed to traumatizing them into an exaggerated risk to the point where they think that they need to wear a face mask outdoors as they pass you on the street 
because even if both of even if you are con- con- contaminated, you're going to get them with that puff of air, and they're going to immediately inhale it. And even if they do, they're going to be the one in a million under forty who dies from this. I mean, maybe it's not one in a million. I think it's. I don't know what the exact numbers are. Higher than that, no? It's. I, someone sent me an article. It was North Dakota. Nineteen people died under forty. And I think they had like 2,000 people die in, in North Dakota. So Were they siblings? I don't know. I don't know what they were. So I don't know what their underlying conditions were. All I know is like it was a fraction of a percent of people within a certain age demographic dying of the virus. And Lord knows what other issues they had. But you have to you know, you do the math in your head. But the problem is when people have been traumatized to such a degree, it, it's, they're not even open to the actual realistic uh, framing of the risk. And, because it's, and, it's, and it's too nuanced to do. You can't get people to wear masks outside if you if you sensitize them to the fact that there was a study that I'm quoting in the Irish Times covered outdoor transmission has accounts for like one in a thousand COVID yeah. transmissions and the that's CD- been known for a while though it's been known for a while but you know when, when the government's been telling you wear your masks all the time outside if you can't socially separate you can't then come overnight and say well you know finally the risk was actually only one in a thousand are bad. Yeah, um, we lied. No, they, maybe they, maybe they, maybe they believed it. I don't know. But. I believe this other thing that that's why I, I'm more forgiving now, and I try not to argue. I try to discuss. I've come to the conclusion that a lot of these, a lot of people that I disagree with and that say crazy shit, and I'm like, that's not even logical. That's not even science. They don't do it to uh, mislead people. They genuinely believe it. So then it makes it easier. Okay, that's what this person believes. They really need a discussion. It's the only yeah, way. Well, if by me attacking them is not going to help, so then I try to get into it. But some are just great. like I've. There's even people that I think are on the right track, and then they'll be like, "Yeah, and this COVID thing, it's not even real. It doesn't exist." I'm like, "Well, that's not. We have evidence that it is true. That's not. No, no. I, I, this is that's um, unscientific. I, this is where some of my behavioral characteristic flaws come into play. But I was having a discussion with someone, and I pounced a little too hard because we were talking, and they said the risks of a 40 year old dying are 3.8 percent, 4.8 percent, and I said. Where did you read that? Yeah. And they said, no, well, 4.8% of COVID deaths were, four, were, were in the age bracket 40 to 50. That's not what that means, though. And I said, for that, if four point, even if it's true, let's just say it's true, 4% of the COVID deaths are 40 to 50. That doesn't mean that your chances, if you're 40 to 50, no. get are 4%. You're in, the, you're in the fraction. And I said, if we are going to go on with this discussion, you have to admit that your, your perspective of the fear was exaggerated by a thousandfold. And yeah, you, because the it, math is wrong. No, and if you don't admit that, if you don't admit that in your own head, the reason why you believe that because is because you were so traumatized. We can't continue the discussion, and we didn't just continue the discussion. But I could have been more productive in, in the way I dealt with it. But uh, no, but that's that's the way. Like people think things; they don't know why they think them. But re- in, in the reality, it's it's just reflexive confirmation bias of sorts. You know, like I, I believe it's terrifying. So if I see something that clicks with that, I'm going to believe it. Yeah. And then when you find out that it's not the case, then you got to you know rework to get to the same conclusion of fear. When you find out that it's, you know, in the fractions of a percent of, of dying, if you're within a certain age bracket, well, then you got to justify the fear somewhere else. And, and no one's asking the right questions. You know, because of all this, because of the f- fear mongering and because of the hate of ideas, we might never find out what screwed up in that lab in Wuhan because for the longest time, you weren't allowed to question it, even though there was evidence I, pointing I, to it. I remember it. They said, if you say it started in that lab, you're racist. But if you lie and say it started from bat soup, that's not right. What are you guys talking about? It was a conspiracy theory to suggest it originated in a 
bio lab in, in Wuhan. It was Scientists a from that lab said in the beginning, the, the, the whistleblowers that disappeared, they're the ones who first said, yeah, look, we fucked up. And they're the ones who went missing. No, I, I remember, I mean, I've been, a, we've lived through this now. In the beginning, you could not suggest that on YouTube. You couldn't make videos about that. You couldn't talk about it without being yeah. a conspiracy theorist. And now lo and behold, it might be somewhat more plausible of a, of, a, of, a, of a discussion. They suppressed the evidence. But why did you suppress it? You're not, look, in Canada, the, the Canadian media, the US media, you're not the Chinese government. Why are you working like you're the propaganda well, you, wing you, of the Chinese government? What are you doing? You might have some people arguing that Justin Trudeau is the propaganda wing of the Chinese yeah, government. Yeah, that's what they say. But yeah, but the, um, no, but it's just, it just goes to show you that when you can't question... Uh, what is dogma forbidden one day turns out to be dogma, if not truth, at the very least, highly possible another day. And you know, the, the, referring to it as the Chinese virus at the beginning was racist. And then lo and behold, you called the Brazilian variant. Yeah, the, the Indian, Indian variants, variants, The yeah. UK variant. No, nothing. It's, it is. But that's because because Trump wasn't around during the variants. If Trump was around, you wouldn't be able to. If he, if he said Indian variant, it would have been, look at this fucking racist. Uh, if he had said it true. But this goes, it just goes to show you the politicizing of the debate. Politics ruins everything and it ruins science. I mean, it ruins yeah. science where... You can't call things what they are because it's racist, but then when it becomes convenient to do so, we've forgotten about all of our accusations of racism. Now it's the Indian variant and there's nothing wrong with that. Now we can ban flights from India. Now we have people clamoring to ban flights from India, flights from India. but when they were talking about banning flights from China, you know, it, racism, you had Nancy Pelosi telling you to go out and hug someone. I mean, yeah, Do you remember that? Go, go out in Chinatown and hug people. <laughs> it, 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 there, was an, there was a promotional ad, I forget who produced it, out of Italy saying, go hug an Asian person to, provo to prove you're not racist. That's and then weird. two weeks later, it's, it's weird because it's such a, it's, it's such a, a, a weaponizing of, of ethnicity in the first place. Uh, but you, you had videos like that coming out of Italy, which didn't age well. Nancy Pelosi saying, go to Chinatown and, and, and you know, don't be racist. And then, and by the way, this is the time. Now that there's random Asian hate crimes happening, I don't suggest you go up to a stranger who's Asian to try to hug him because he's going to defend himself. The, the, it's the, fucking the, weird. The, I, it was it was a weird. Free hugs in general is weird. I, I, I you know, <laughs> people do them. They did them at the protests. They do them, you know, on the streets. I, I like my personal space in the best of times. But yeah. it, it's just the idea that, you know, the media and politicians weaponize the identity politics aspect of this when it's convenient, and then they ignore it. And they ignore their own hypocrisy when it's not convenient anymore, when they want to use it themselves. Um, and they never, they never apologize for getting it wrong. For example, because in the beginning, they were the ones that were talking about the Chinese flights and it was Chinese New Year's and they flew around and said, but it's not Chinese people's fault that something out of a lab escaped and the government over there tried to cover it up and then they didn't know, and they and they were traveling in a spread. It's not their fault. If you don't know, and your government's fucking up, how is that your fault? The, 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 like, Trudeau fucks around. If you go to the States, should everyone blame you for Trudeau's uh, inactions? Or That's well, crazy. It, it, in, in fairness, I mean, people were keying cars with American license plates in, in Which Canada. Which is it's, nonsense. It's not, I remember when they have a garbage. That's I, garbage. But, but And people also ignore the fact that when you, you can, first of all, you can demonize a government without demonizing the people. The Chinese people are as much a victim of the CPC 100%. As, as anybody else. So it's yeah. like, it, it's not racist to, commit, to criticize a government it, under any circumstances. Yeah. But uh, when, when identity politics is a tool of manipulation by the media, they'll confound obvious ideas just so that you, to limit the discourse. And they successfully did it on, on a number of issues. They did it to me. I remember when uh, the economic crisis happened and they were talking about Greece. And they're like, you Greeks... You ruined the world. That's even us. I, I don't know. We I, were victims. I think I don't know who is to blame for that, but that that I I would not venture into. But hey, I mean, I wasn't offended for the record. I, I thought it was dumb, but I wasn't offended. Very people with 
Uh, I made jokes I say, about it on stage. No, but well, <laughs> people with reasonably thick skin and people who are able to have discussions about ideas don't get offended and don't feign outrage yeah. at, at these superficial things. Uh, something has to be pretty bad in order to be offended. And even then, offense is not necessarily the right response. It might just be either respond or disengage. Yeah. But when it comes to political discourse, feign offense at everything, and that way you can control the dialogue, you can control the narrative, and you can control the terminology of the debate. And that's I don't you- want a politician like that. I, you don't need sensitive politicians like that. You need politicians that are there, they understand, they have a job to get done, uh, they're working for the people, and shit's not always going to go their way. You, that's what I want, but I don't see that any, anywhere. You need politicians who amplify the voice of opposition as opposed to silence it. Because yeah, it, just talk. Well, talk, talk. Face the scrutiny. Uh, uh, don't ignore it and it it will keep you honest i mean the funny thing about haters on the internet and the funny thing about the 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 shit posters they do keep you honest to some extent i mean if you make a mistake they'll let you know faster than anybody else yeah but in politics you can't admit a mistake and so you have one of two choices you double down after getting called out or you silence those who, who who bring up your mistakes and the government does both of them you know what would be cool to see here trudeau walks in one day he's like all right listen I uh, screwed a lot of things up. Poiliev, you're clearly good with the economy. Let's sit down. Where do we scrub? What do we need to do? Uh, what is it? Elizabeth May? You're a hippie. You're all about the environment. <laughs> what do we need to do? Where do we screw up? How can we help? You know, Jagmeet yeah. Singh, sit over there because you're dangerous for this country. You're, you're a goddamn ticking time bomb. Uh, but everyone else, let's get together and try to move forward. Everybody who's progressive, we try to move forward. Trudeau, uh, I, I would argue Trudeau is the biggest risk for the country now politically. I know. They, they he, fight. They don't, he, they don't discuss he will not discuss anything in an open manner because he's incapable of answering a question. And also, he's got so many skeletons in the closet now, known skeletons, that it makes effective government, effective governance impossible because these, these scandals distract from the government. And that's why... You know, that's he's why, fighting against scandals instead of fighting for the people. Well, and he's fighting against scandals, and the issue is, whether it's true or not, the perception is that, or the theory is that, you know, one can accuse him of trying to exploit tragedies and exploit uh pandemics to distract from the scandals and that's the problem even if it's not true even if his response would have been the exact same in the absence of his multiple scandals when you are embroiled in scandals it compromises your ability to govern because people will always question your response as to whether or not it's a distraction same thing with cuomo i mean same thing with uh, i can't think of another example but uh, when you get embroiled in the scandals it becomes a distraction and legitimate scandals not not fa- false accusations when you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar on more than one occasion, at some point, responsible government would be you step down and you let someone who can govern without being bogged down by the controversy and bogged down by the scandals. Yeah. But instead, double down, ignore them, uh, and, and then try to distract by uh, dividing and conquering. Just you know, go jump on to other, other issues that are making their way through the news. And you know, I don't want to pick on any in particular, but... Yeah, go go go! Pick on a, a a violent crime and try to you know make believe that there's a systemic problem in Canada. Go you know try to pick a, pick on a shooting to justify passing a gun ban under an order in council during a pandemic. There was a shooting yesterday in Toronto, right? I saw a bunch of there's just shootings all the time in, yeah. in in Toronto. And 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 shocker, they're not committed with the weapons that have been outlawed. I know that's what's funny, it's, yeah. It's, or they're not even uh, obtained legally. Oh, that's it. They're, they're they're not long arms. The ones that were the object of the order in council from a year ago passed under the cloak of the pandemic. Uh, they're not legally obtained in the first place. So it's the same argument as you have in the United States. But you know, w- w- when you're embroiled in scandal. Pick on a tragedy, exploit it for all it's worth, and distract from your scandal so that nobody's talking about we anymore. The we scandal, which uh, seems to have slipped under the radar 
permanently, and also Trudeau, from what we just saw earlier, seems to have slipped under the yeah, he skated radar right of culpability uh, again. Again, you know right, what? He's the Teflon Don. This guy. Well, even even yeah. if even if he had been found guilty of his third ethics violation, who cares? I mean, he's already he's already survived the first two. What's what's the third? But what one? happens if you're found guilty? Nothing. Nothing. There's a there's a m- nominal potential for monetary fine. Uh, and that's it. There's, there's, it's supposed to be political remedy. What a Tip- weird, what a weird government we have. Well, t- typically, when you're found guilty of multiple ethics violations, the voters show up. You know, say, okay, we don't want someone who's guilty of ethics violations. That's it, treasonous. It, it, yeah, treason would be the wrong word, but it's. Uh, it's I want to go with treason because I like scandalous. it. It's no, no, it's, 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 it is scandalous. It's scandalous, yeah. and, and but people reelect him after this. You know, Aga Khan. Uh, groping the reporter, the Wee scandal, SNC Lavalin. These are objective scandals, and. Uh, the person gets voted back in. So at some point you have to blame the electors to the extent that you feel that the election process is legitimate. And at the, uh, you know, to, to another extent, it causes you to question responses to other issues because you will always be able to say, this is a distraction from the scandals and he's exploiting it and milking it for political purposes. This fucking guy. Uh, tell me about the pirate radio. You're going to start doing weekly so people oh, can listen so in. Radio X yeah. uh, out of uh, Quebec City. It's going to be weekly. Uh, so next week it's going to be Tuesday, but it's going to be Mondays from 9 to 9.15, give or take. Okay. And uh, with uh, Dominique, um, I'm gonna, Dominique Moret. And we're going to talk about what, you know, whatever's going on in Canada, maybe what's going on in the U.S. And it's going to be great because, uh, first of all, it's gonna be a, it'll be a perfect opportunity for me to show the world that I can speak French. Good. Because I, I do, and you know, sometimes I show off in my, in my law vlogs, but... Dis, uh, having an actual discussion in French will show a, a certain level of fluency that uh, you know I, I don't get to show on a daily basis. But it's also exposing a different type, you know, different set of views to the Quebec audience and vice versa. Like uh, the the Quebec audience will see that I exist, and I'm going to get to speak to a different demographic as well. Well, look, I'm all about pirate radio. I'm going to be listening in. Follow Viva. Uh, links are in the description. Again, brother, thank you for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Welcome everybody to the thoughts of my head All my confessions are the latest